0: And welcome back to another episode of the Injury Law Pod. I am your host, Eric Bartlett, longtime personal injury lawyer, uh, going on about 27 years now. And you found the podcast where we break down personal injury law. And specifically, we try to make things very simple, easy to understand. It's a complex area. And our whole goal on this podcast is to just bring it to you in a way that makes sense, isn't complicated, isn't lawyer speak, just so that you're prepared. If you ever find yourself needing a personal injury lawyer for some reason or dealing with some kind of an injury claim. So we're wrapping up our series of The Anatomy of a Car Accident Injury Claim. And the way I'm going to do that is by basically calling this the Car Accident Injury Claim Master Class. So we've had six previous podcast episodes that went through the various stages of a car accident injury claim all the way from before the accident ever happens to finding yourself in court in a lawsuit. And if for some reason you've landed on this podcast uh, and you want to get sort of the essentials, a summary, then you're at the right place. Or, you know, if you're looking for some quicker answers and maybe want to do the deep dive later, Again, this is a great podcast episode to listen to right now. Uh, this will give an overview. Again, I'm calling it the master class, and you can go back in time and listen to each one of these stages in much greater depth. But without further ado, let's jump into the various stages of a car accident injury claim. And the very first one is before the accident ever happens. And so if you're listening to this and you've actually already been in a car accident, you've got an injury claim, and you're thinking, okay, um, if you're going to talk about before the accident ever happens, how does that help me? Well, the way that that's going to help you is You may have actually done things before this accident that either you did or you didn't realize could be very beneficial to you um, now that the moment of truth has arrived and you need uh, these certain things in place. So what are they? Well, number one, insurance. So you've got to make sure you have all the right insurance that, you need, in the event, another driver causes you serious injury. And key to all of that is underinsured motorist coverage and uninsured motorist coverage. Now, uninsured motorist coverage is typically required in most states. So if you have insurance on your car, then you probably have uninsured motorist coverage, and it's there to provide you insurance coverage is someone, another driver, it causes an accident, causes you injury, and they don't have insurance. So that is probably already going to be in place if you have a valid insurance policy, and you should. And why? Because you need to be a responsible citizen. You need to be ready to take care of somebody else. If you cause an accident, and most importantly, at the end of the day, want to take care of yourself if somebody else can't. Now, what is underinsured coverage? Underinsured motorist coverage comes into play when another driver that causes you injury does not have enough insurance to cover all of the damages that come from your injuries. That means your medical bills, that means your lost wages, and that means the suffering that you may go through, any permanency that you have to the injury, things like that. So again, I could talk about the state of Missouri requires $25,000 of insurance on a car to be legal. And it can go really quickly if you have a serious injury. That could be the price of an emergency room visit. So you want to make sure you have the right coverages in place before an accident ever happens to you. And that Starts with uninsured and underinsured motorist coverage. Underinsured motorist coverage is not required. A lot of people don't know about it. A lot of people won't hear about it from insurance companies, but you need to have it. And then here's the other part of it. Don't go cheap. Shop the various levels of insurance coverage. So, for example, you're thinking, oh, I'll just get 50000 That sounds good. Take a look at what 100000 what the difference in cost is. And if you get to $100,000, you are like, okay, well, actually, that's not so bad. Then go up. The next level usually is about 250000 Take a look at it. See what that looks like. If you can afford it, get it because you just don't know when you might need it. The other thing you're going to want to make sure you have is medical payments coverage. And again, don't go cheap. A lot of times people put $1,000 of medical payments coverage on their policy. Medical payments coverage is basically no fault insurance to pay medical bills that you might have. And again, $1,000 is a joke. So when you're faced with medical bills, you know, they're expensive. You're going to want lots. So 5,000, 10,000, 25,000, see what that looks like and see what you can afford. The other thing is before an accident ever happens, you should drive around with a dash cam. Everybody, in my opinion, should have a dash cam. And here's why. Because if if an accident happens and it's a situation where the at-fault driver can somehow claim that you were at fault and there's no independent witnesses, and if you had video showing them at fault, for example, showing that you had The green turn arrow when you were making your turn. So that means they would have had a red light. That is crucial. That's a game changer. And we see it all the time. At-fault drivers try to get out of responsibility. And they try to blame others. And if there's no independent witnesses, nobody to back up the story, all you've got is your own word unless you've got something else. So get a dash cam, lots of options out there. You also need to know if there's ever a liability issue, you need to know that all modern cars have electronic control modules in them, um, basically black boxes, and those black boxes record data about what's going on with a car. It shows speed. It shows braking. It it shows a lot of things. So, again, if there's ever a situation where an at-fault driver, you think they were speeding or something and that caused the accident, You need to know that you need to put the other driver and or their insurance company on notice that you want the data from that black box because it'll help you make your claim. So you just need to have things like this in place, ready to go, so you're prepared if an accident happens. And remember, accidents happen all the time. The statistics are not with us as drivers. There's lots of accidents. If you're driving around or riding around in a vehicle, there's a high likelihood you'll be involved in an accident at some point and probably several times in your lifetime. Okay, what about the accident itself? So when you're in an accident, depending on the severity, some of these things may happen without your involvement. But, you know, a lot of times we see accidents where people are hurt but yet they're still mobile they're able to get out of their cars nothing the the true um impact of the accident and the injury starts to set in slowly and so you're you're aware of things going on but not necessarily everything so what you have to be mindful of after an accident again if you're not unconscious If you're not being taken away in an ambulance, those types of things, you need to make sure, were there any witnesses to the accident, you need to make sure the police are called, the police get there, the police investigate, the police talk to witnesses, the police talk to you, the other driver. You know, at that moment in time, the other driver is least likely to make up a story about what happened, if they're talking to the police, as opposed to down the road when they've had time to think about it. So you just want to make sure that witnesses and the police and all of that are nailed down right after an accident, that all of that comes together. The police can also, they can take pictures, they can do measurements if necessary. I mean, there's all kinds of things the police can do to help you make your claim against an at-fault driver. So Call the police if you even remotely think you may have an injury because a lot of people, especially the police, will say, well, if nobody's injured, you don't. we don't need to come out there. If you think you're at all injured, get the police there so that they can do their job and make sure, again, you get pictures of vehicles if you can, any video, whatever you can, just to show everything that's present at the scene. And finally, then, once the dust has settled, so to speak, um, it's time to make sure you're contacting the insurance companies. Um, You can contact your own insurance company. You definitely want to contact the at-fault driver's insurance company, um, and you want to get the claim going. Now, there's always the things that you got to be mindful of, um, which is when you're dealing with insurance companies, You're in what I call the danger zone and you don't want to give recorded statements. If there's any issue as to fault, if there's any ability for the other driver to blame you in some way, then you want to be really cautious about talking to the AFL driver's insurance company. And you want to proceed cautiously. You just want to proceed cautiously. I can't stress it enough because they will find any way to put blame on you. If you start answering things about speeds of vehicles, the distances between, you know, when you first saw the vehicle and when the collision happened or distances of other things, you know, anything like that, they can twist and turn that kind of information to basically make the argument that, well, you should have been able to have avoided the accident, something like that. So just be really careful. But, you need to get the claim set up you need to tell them you were hurt you need to tell them what treatment you're are you've already gotten what you know what that's looking like what your injuries are looking like and then go from there so then just after the accident what's most important getting medical treatment so my advice is don't wait if you again believe at all that you may have some injury Or at the first sign that you are injured, and whether that's your muscles start to get tight, painful, whether you start to feel pain in some other part of your body. You know, with a concussion, you can experience headaches and fogginess and things like that. I mean, if you're experiencing things like that, get medical treatment. Don't wait. Because what happens is the longer you wait, the longer there's a gap, that gives the insurance company arguments, that gives them the ability to argue that, well, that must have not really been anything serious since you didn't go immediately, right, to get treated. You didn't go by ambulance, didn't go to an emergency room, you got into your primary care doctor three days later, ooh. It just, it couldn't have been that big of a deal. So you just need to have that in mind. If you're feeling bad, injured, get seen somewhere so that you're making a record of your problems. You're much better off going, seeing someone, doctor, whoever that is, you know, talking about what's hurting or what's causing you concern. And then if for some reason you decide to try to give it a go right with ibuprofen and rest and you go for two or three weeks with no further treatment, but then you give up and you say, Nope, I still got a problem. And you go back. Well, now it's not like you went two or three weeks without ever saying anything. You were complaining the day of the accident, right? That you tried, you tried to soldier through and you tried to, you know, see if it would heal up on its own and it's just not happening. And so that, that lessens the ability of the insurance company to argue that, well, what's the, what's the big deal? You didn't go for two or three weeks to somebody. And now all of a sudden you've got a problem, but nope, if you go immediately, then you got the record of what you were complaining about. And again, these things generally, depending on what they are, concussions, concussions, muscular-type injuries, things like that, they can come on in progression. And so, yeah, sure, you might feel okay, but then as the days go by, you start to feel worse, and you can get really bad. So keep that in mind. Number one thing, after, again, all the stuff has happened at the scene of the accident, you need to look at getting treated medically, get seen if you think you've been injured. Okay. So once you have gone through and gotten your medical treatment and all of that kind of stuff, right? And who knows what that looks like? Who knows how long that's going to be? Who knows if you were off work for quite some time, whatever all that involves, you know, there is then the claims process. And this is the point where you you are either all done with treatment and you feel okay or, you know, the doctors, the other medical people are telling you there's nothing more they can do for you. You, you got to a point where, medically speaking, it is what it is. This is what you've got. So whatever that looks like at that point, it's probably time to look at trying to wrap up the claim with the insurance company, but you should never be in a rush. Uh, Again, in Missouri, you have five years from the date of the accident to make your claim Um, to either to either have it settled or to get it on file as a lawsuit or otherwise resolve it. You have a long time. Now, I'm not saying you should drag a claim out for years because if you're done and you feel okay and you're not getting any more medical treatment, then really time doesn't help you. But if you're having issues and problems and, you know, things like that, you should not be in any hurry to settle your claim. Now, the problem is the insurance companies, they're going to put pressure on you. And they, they may put pressure on you from about the first time you contact them. So one of the things that we see today is these insurance companies basically trying to make some quick offers to get people to bite, to settle the claim, and forever close it out. And what happens with that is if you bite, then you don't know the full extent of what the future holds for you. And sometimes I think people get tempted. I know they do. I get calls from people. They say, hey, they've offered me this. And I mean, I went to the emergency room last week because the accident just happened last week. And I'm thinking, well, maybe okay. And I tell them, you're like a week out from an accident. Are you still having problems? Are you still, in yeah, I'm still in pain, but no, then stop. You're not settling anything. I mean, that would be foolish. So you got to go slowly in that regard. You can't just jump. Again, they're going to pressure you. They want you off the books. They don't want that claim to grow. They're hoping that you'll take the offer. They can close it out and they can buy your legal claim cheap. But when you do finally get to a point where you feel like, you are truly okay, or again, you've been told this is as good as it gets, then it is time to try to get us out. And so with that, you know, here's where the problem lies. You're kind of going along, right? You, you've been touching base with the insurance company. They're, they've been talking to you. Well, just keep us updated, you know, what it, what's happening. And, uh, you know, yeah, when you're done, get everything over to us or better yet, You know, we'll have you sign our medical authorization so we can order your records and your bills and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, then we'll evaluate the claim. Well, and the problem with that is if you sign their medical authorization, then you've just given them a blanket authorization to get medical records on you from anywhere and for any amount of time. And if there's stuff you didn't want them to see... Um, or something, you know, that they might try to use against you that really shouldn't be, well, they can get it. So that's a problem. Um, but you might be going along, you might be thinking that adjuster is sure nice and has kept in touch with you. And and now, you know, you're going to get everything put together and by golly, they're going to take care of you. And then you do so, and then you hear back from them, and boom, it all goes off track. Now, it can go off track for a lot of reasons. One can just be they make you a low offer, and they don't really explain why. I mean, we see that, and it's like, okay. Um, Or they may give you the, well, so here's what we see and, you know, we found these other records here before the accident, and, you know, you had complained one time about your back, you know, seven years ago before the accident. And, you know, now you had, you know, a year of treatment on your back out of this accident. But, you know, that one time seven years ago, I mean, are we thinking you had back problems before this? So, yeah, we don't think it's worth very much. Or, you know, they can, they, they can keep running your ass. Say, well, okay, so we've looked at everything, but we are going to need some more documentation. Uh, we're going to need some more records. We're going to need something from your doctor that says what you were experiencing was related to this accident. Or, you know, maybe you have a lost wage claim. And they're like, well, we, we're going to need to see tax returns and stuff to verify that you really made this money and, you know, all these things, right, that they actually, in this stage of the claims process, they have no right to get that kind of stuff. So there's ways to handle all of that uh, where they don't give full access to all your stuff. So that is where, again, you have to remember when you're dealing with the insurance company, Directly, you are in the danger zone. And again, whether that is you talking to them and telling them about what happened or trying to avoid getting the um, or having them get all your stuff or whatever all that looks like, you you just got to be very careful because you got to remember insurance companies exist to make a profit. They do not have your best interest at art. That adjuster that seemed really nice works for the insurance company. And his or her goal is to make them money. He or she is incentivized uh, in that regard. And they are not your friend. They are not your friend. And a lot of mistakes can be made. And it can really cost you. So... That's where you enter the claims process and where it can go off track. And, you know, if you settle it cheap, then there it is. It's concluded and it doesn't go any further. Um, Now, if they jack you around and they make you a really low offer or they, you know, are trying to run you through the hoops. Well, what do you do? Right. What are your options if you don't settle out of court? And I always put quotes around "out of court" because, yeah, you're out of court here, right? Meaning you haven't filed a lawsuit. Um, but I don't know—that's kind of a TV term. I, I feel like, uh, but it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you know, you're you're now stuck because you either have to take what they're giving you. Uh, keep doing what they want you to do, or you've got to go a different direction. And so what's the different direction? Well, more than likely at this point, you're probably going to have to look at getting a personal injury lawyer. Um, Can you bring a lawsuit on your own in small claims court? Um, Or otherwise, yes, you can. Um, There's limitations on small claims court and how much you can get and things like that. Um, So it kind of depends on, obviously the nature of your claim, what the injury was, how the value of your claim. Um, You could also file a, what I'll call a real lawsuit um, in circuit court, but now you are going to be in quote unquote real court. You're going to have to abide by uh, rules of civil procedure. You're going to have to, uh, if it goes all the way to uh, trial You would be obligated to the rules of evidence. I mean, it's a big deal. And the big thing is an insurance company, uh, they're going to have a lawyer involved. If it gets into court, they're going to have a lawyer involved. So you just got to know going in that you're going to be at a great disadvantage. Can you do it on your own? Yes. Should you? No. So more than likely you're going to go out and search for a lawyer and what's the summary of going about getting a personal injury lawyer in my mind it's three things you're going to try to find a no- a lawyer that you know like and trust right i mean that's not rocket science uh, i mean you're going to look for somebody that uh, you're going to feel comfortable with and you know back in the day um People knew lawyers from lawyers that maybe they had used elsewhere, family, friends, uh, you know, whatever that was, right? So you could call up the lawyer you had used for a traffic ticket and say, hey, I've got I was in this accident, I got an injury, I need help. And but, you know, today that's not as big of a of an occurrence. Um, and today, because of really Google, right, people start searching out lawyers when they need something, and just same goes for personal injury lawyers so what you're probably going to do is go online you're going to search up for a car accident lawyer near me um you know whatever name it car accident attorney um something like that and you're going to get search results and you kind of want to look at i think again um a couple things to find that lawyer that you're going to know, like, and trust. And again, if you're lucky enough to have somebody connected to a personal injury lawyer, you get a personal referral from, that's awesome. And again, I caution you, you want a lawyer that does this as their sole practice area. Okay. Because what you don't want is somebody that dibbles and dabbles in injury law. So you want somebody that this is their sole focus and they know what the heck they're doing. So with that being said, you go online, you search it up, and you get your list of personal injury lawyers. So you're going to look at their reviews, right? That's the new word of mouth. That's the referral that you used to get from maybe a lawyer you used in the past or a family friend. You go online, you see what... People that have used that law firm are saying about the law firm, saying about the lawyers, you know, are these lawyers that handle the claims well, treat their clients well, communicate well, are responsive, all those things. That's what tells you, is this a five-star law firm? That's what you're looking for. And then you're obviously, you know, I mean, it's natural, right, to be thinking about, well, what is this going to cost and the fee and what all that entails? And what I would say there is in the personal injury world, uh, we all work on basically percentages of settlements. Every, it's all, there's a spectrum. I mean, everybody charges different things, but what you should do is compare whatever the lawyer is telling you they charge to those reviews right is this quality that i'm getting and if it's quality well then you know they can probably um charge more i mean it's not just a quantity thing you want really good representation you want to be kept informed you want to get a good result and you don't want to be left in the dark i mean all those things go into it so just keep all that in mind so you want to look at those google reviews You want to look at the uh, fee and you do want to make sure that you're dealing with a local lawyer. That's the, that's the final thing I, I would say. There are lawyers that are not in the local area that advertise that either hang, say you sign up with them. They either hang on to your case or they refer it to somebody else. You want to know, is this law firm going to keep my case? Are they really here? Are they somewhere else? Are they in another state, another city? Whatever. You want to know that. That's important. And then you will feel good when you've kind of done those three um, examinations that you've got the lawyer that you can get to know, like, and trust. So then when you get a lawyer, what happens? Well, probably a lawsuit. Um, Not always. I mean, lawyers can get involved uh, again personal injury lawyers that know what they're doing, they can get involved. They can, you know, put it together the way it needs to be put together. And sometimes it can still get settled, quote unquote, out of court. But a lot of times it can't, and that's what lawyers do, right? We file lawsuits. Um, Not always, but we know how. We have the license, you know, all the things. So uh, we then get involved, we get a lawsuit going, and then, unfortunately, it's a slow process, um, which can be good and can be bad. Again, if you've got a permanent injury and you've got things that may still be popping up and you may still need treatment, whatever, then it's not such a bad thing for this to go slow and in time to reveal exactly what it is, how you're living daily with your injury, the needs you have, medical needs you have. Whatever all that looks like, again, I mean, some time is is not bad. And with a lawsuit, you're going to get some time because you file something and, you know, generally speaking, you're not going to have a trial day, probably for at least a year. And that's probably a good average. So, and that's just the court system. You know, there's, you just can't speed that up. There's a lot going on in the courts. And so you're going to have time to really know if you're going to be sort of stable with your injury and your treatment and all of that. But in that lawsuit, you've got, you know, everything from the beginning where it gets filed, it gets served on the um, defendant or defendants, you know, these are the at fault people, right? And then you get lawyers involved from the insurance company and then there's written documents that are exchanged between the parties to get more information um you know on from us they want to know all the medical issues and the medical treatment and the places you've been and you know the histories and all that stuff and on Our side, like when we're sending them written documents for the at-fault driver, we want to know, right, like, was this person under the influence, having drugs in their system, Um, you know, what do they say about the accident, and just all that kind of stuff. So, anyway, we exchange the written documentation, then usually there's depositions that are set up, depositions are where we actually sit down with a court reporter Again, your lawyer may take the at fault driver's deposition asking questions about what happened, trying to really nail down why they're at fault, right? The insurance company lawyer might take your deposition asking you all about how the injury affected you, the accident, how the injury affected you, all the things, getting all that out. there, And that's all to be used at trial if it comes to that, Uh, but it's also used, to you know get a good handle on the claim the lawyer can go back they can report to the insurance company that hey this person makes a nice witness i think a jury or judge is going to want to give them money for their injuries and also they can go back and say yeah you know i think this is kind of the value of the claim and if we're going to settle it you know that's probably what it needs to uh to get done so and again if it doesn't if it doesn't settle we there's always the possibility of having a mediation which is where everybody gets together with a retired judge or you know a lawyer that's really experienced in this area of the law they act as a mediator kind of a go-between to see if some settlement can be made um but again if everything fails then you go have a full-blown trial And, well, that's not a lot of fun. And generally, these are jury trials. Twelve people won't know you, won't know the other driver, won't know a whole bunch of stuff. They'll be presented with the facts of this situation right then and there, and they'll make a decision. And it's, uh, you know, it's a gamble because you just never really know how a jury is going to view everything. But that's the ultimate conclusion to your claim. Generally speaking, there are appeals processes and stuff like that, but you know, what you got to understand is the, the overview of the lawsuit process and, and that's it. So that is everything you really need to know in a nutshell when it comes to a car accident injury claim. You've got to understand these key items, which is you've got to be prepared. And you've got to be prepared with insurance that's going to take care of you. You have to drive around, assuming nobody has insurance or they don't have enough insurance. And if you do that and you build up plenty of insurance on your vehicles, you're going to be in a pretty good spot if something happens. Because you look around and there's a lot of expired tip tags, a lot of expired regular tags, all that stuff. And that generally means somebody doesn't have insurance. Or there's a lot of, what do I call them here, beaters, right? Pieces of junk cars rolling around out there. And they, somebody went out, got insurance, got 25000 made them legal to be on the road. And they're happy as can be. And if they hit you and cause you serious injury, it's not good if, if you're not prepared. So go away from here being prepared. And again, if you've been in an accident, start looking at your own coverages. What do you have? What might come into play? And then you've got to remember this. When you're dealing with that insurance company, do not for a minute think they are your friend. Do not for a minute think that they are there to Fairly resolve your claim. They're not. They are there to resolve your claim as cheaply as they can. That's it. They want to make a profit. They don't want to be fair. Because if they were, then there wouldn't be so many personal injury lawyers out there. You see a lot of them, right? And why is that? It's because insurance companies, they don't do the right thing. And, you know, we hear, right, oh, there's so many lawyers and they are ambulance chasers and all the things. Well, I like to, I prefer to say we are insurance company racers. We're trying to beat the insurance company from adding injury to injury. Somebody's hurt and now they're going to try to further hurt them by uh pickling them on their claim so just remember they're not your friend and even if it's your own insurance company they're not your friend they're there to make money they want to get this thing done as cheap as possible so whenever you're dealing with them you're in the dangers or you're in the danger zone so you've got to be careful and finally if it if you if you have gone this far without a lawyer tried to get it done and you can't then you are uh, at that point I'm going to say get a lawyer because you you see the writing on the wall hopefully that this might just be over your pay grade and you may need some help so then you're going to want to find that lawyer that you know like and trust and they will help you get this thing done hopefully the right way um, or as the best way that can be done with it, and you can feel good about that decision. So, I hope you've enjoyed this masterclass. Again, feel free to listen to prior episodes where each one of these stages is broken down in a lot greater detail. And I'll see you on the next episode of the Injury Law Pod.